0: I came to speak one night during your VBS. I'm kind of glad I missed your VBS. I came during VBS one time. And, and uh, they handed me a microphone and said, you need to start us off with a few VBS songs. <laughs> if you know me, you know I'm not a song leader. I'm not a song leader. It is, uh, it is interesting about the church to me, the, the, the mix of old and new. I mean, it's neat to be here and, and get to see y'all uh, and hear that announcement. And also look around and see people that have been here forever. And people that are here coming brand new. Uh, it's hard sometimes when you're preaching and you look up and you see somebody and your brain just stops for a moment and you went, hi, hey, it's good to see you. Um, I appreciate getting to, to come in. I, I feel bad when I walked in tonight. We tried to get here early because you never know coming across Houston. And uh, when I came in, um, we got here early and so I just looked for a quiet place where I could sit down for a minute, just focus on on my stuff. So I walk in the first room I open. It's some kind of a girls' class going on in there. Whoops! sorry. Go to the next door. Oh, elders' meeting. Sorry. So I found this storage room with a wheelchair in it, and I, and I sat in that wheelchair, and I thought, surely this isn't being used tonight. So. Uh, do you know, last week at Katy, I ran into a woman who came down, and she said, um, I kept the nursery tonight. Um, and I'm sorry I didn't get to come to class, but you know I thought? I thought of Barbara Martin. Every time I came to Gray Road, Barbara Martin would keep those babies, and I used to always tell her that I appreciated that, that there were people who would who would give up getting to come so that young moms and, and other people could come. Um, it's funny to me that as the church gets bigger, it gets smaller. We meet new people, and it takes sometimes 15 minutes or more before you find out how they're connected to somebody that you know. Um... I got to work with a lady at a camp in a serving line serving food and we introduced each other and talked for a little while. And then uh, that evening after we visited with Heather and some other people, I said, isn't it funny that when I met you, I could have said, hi, my name is Kevin Hahn. You went to church with my wife's aunt Sunday morning. Because you, you find those connections and you find people that you know and, and the family, uh, even when you welcome new people, you, you find out very quickly who you all know. Tonight, we're, we're talking about your, your theme for the year is Shine. Uh, This idea about shining, uh, when I was in basic training, shining always made me think of boots. I did not realize how much time you spent shining boots. And some guys took it very seriously. And some guys were very good at it. They'd been in for a long time. And I walked in one night and a guy had a a thing like Dad used to have of the little shoe polish, the little black Kiwi shoe polish. And he had a lighter and he's burning the shoe polish. He's, He's heating it. And he's got a little cotton ball, and he dips it in there, and he shines it. And then he pulls out a pair of women's pantyhose, and he's using the pantyhose to shine it. And he put so much effort into shining those boots. And, and I had a little brush, a little bristle brush that you did a couple of times, but this guy was serious about shining. This was important to him. And, you know, they said you knew you had a really good shine on your boots when you could take the Sunday comics and hold them up next to your boot and see color. That's what you were after. But it reminds me of the verses that talks about the, the Olympians, the, the physical competition. They do this to receive a perishable crown. Now, if this sweet mate of mine could put that much intensity into shining with his boots, we as Christians, how much effort should we put into shining forth uh, the light of Christ and the light of the gospel? I hope tonight we can study something that will encourage you, that will make you more motivated uh, to shine. Uh, To be that light in the world, the Bible says a city set on a hill can't be hidden. Uh, We start teaching our children very young, don't we? You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And and you learn very quickly what we're not going to do with it. We're not going to hide it under a bushel. You know, we're not going to let Satan blow it out. We're going to let it shine. So tonight, if you will, turn in your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. A lot of different translations for this verse. Uh, ESV says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Your your Bible might say something like, let your waist be girded and keep your lamps burning. But it's the idea of uh, to, to shine as a Christian requires some preparation. There are some things we need to do in order to be prepared before the action. You know, if you want to take an action, especially if it's an important action, you you take time to be prepared. The Bible says stay dressed for action or let your waist be girded. If you want to go do something, have you ever been somewhere where you needed to go see an outfitter first? You know what an outfitter is? You go to them and and you get prepared and they they give you the things you need and they make sure you have the gear you need, whether it's camping gear or hiking gear. You get those things together, you get ready. On my uh, to-do list, we have packing lists. For the different camps. And you know one camp was indoors and air conditioned. And the other was outdoor. And in old, old cabins. And you prepare differently don't you? But before you take action. Before you do something. You get prepared. You, you make that uh, preparation. If you want to climb Mount Everest. You don't just show up. If you're going to take on something very difficult. What do you do? You have to get connected with the Sherpas. You have to make preparations. You have to get your gear. You have to get in good shape. You have to do all of these things if you want to succeed. Why would we think Christianity would be any different? I want to be a Christian. Is there anything I need to do to prepare to let my light shine? No, just let it shine. Whatever. There's preparation required. The Bible says be ready or be dressed or stay dressed. I want to talk to you. Do you know what this article of clothing is called? That men in, in India and other places in the, in the East wear. May have different names in different places. But uh, a, 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 I think of it as a lungi. Uh, a lungi. They're actually make, this <laughs> picture is actually from an advertisement they're making fun of. Because they were selling these for $90. And all the poor people around the world who wear these. I uh, thought that was very funny. It's just a, a cloth. Well, why, what's the, the deal with being prepared and, and having a, a lungi up here? This says, your Bible might say, stay dressed. But some of the older translations say, uh, let your waist be girded. See, we don't, we don't use those phrases. We don't talk about that. But in Bible times, that would have made a lot of sense. In India, it would have made a lot of sense. Because if you wear a lungi and you're walking like this, it's great. But when you get ready to work, what do you do? You take it and you twist it and you wrap it and take it through and tuck it into your belt. And it looks more like a big adult diaper. Why do you do that? It doesn't look as nice as this. It really looks like you're wearing a big cloth diaper. Why would you do that? Because you've got work to do. Because you're getting ready to do something. And and it's like rolling up your sleeves or or cuffing your pants or doing something. Taking off your jacket. But you're getting ready to act. You're getting ready to do something. Let your waist be girded. It's implying to us that there is some kind of action that we're preparing for. Do you know in the Bible you may have read right over this if you don't think about uh, girding your clothing. But in 1 Kings chapter 18... uh, when the Bible's talking about Elijah and after God sends rain uh, in verse 45 says and in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and what did he do? the Bible says and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel Elijah girded his loins. He took his something probably that would have looked similar to that because he was getting ready to run and run very fast. And as a little kid, I I just, because in my mind, Elijah was always kind of an old man. And in my mind, I could see these spindly little legs and him just hoofing it ahead of that chariot. But he girded up his clothing. He gathered up his clothes because when you're getting ready for action, and so this idea, you know, there was a billboard in Houston years ago, one of the most passive-sounding things I've ever seen. It said, let Jesus happen to you. Can you think of anything more passive than let Jesus happen to you? I'm just going to sit right here and I'm going to let Jesus happen to me versus Jesus who says, strive to enter the narrow gate strive not many will the way is broad and and the that leads to destruction many are those who find it the way to life is narrow the gate is narrow few are those who find it be ready your bible might say be dressed stay dressed jesus prepared his disciples for action he got them ready to do something you know it's one of the problems we talk about the challenge in the church is apathy to do something. I spoke to an elder recently who told me he was really grieving. He said, you know, I, I watched your sermon where you talked about the 80-20 rule. He said, I'm afraid we're more like 90-10. Just a very few people doing the work. But if you are a Christian, God has called you to action, not to observation. He didn't say, as I have washed your feet, so you should watch other people wash feet. Right? As I've washed your feet, you should wash others. Jimmy Allen, do you remember? Do you know who Jimmy Allen is? Years and years and years ago at, uh, at a lectureship, he said to a bunch of preachers who didn't appreciate it very much, he said, The greatest threat to the priesthood of all believers is the professional clergyman. The idea that you just sit there and hire someone to do the work for you. Have you ever seen the Western Shane? The guys can't gun, they they have the bad guys who come in and and, and they can't shoot guns. And so they hire a guy to come in and do the gun fighting for them. And I always tell people, don't hire a shame. You know, I always tell churches, I didn't come to work for you. I want to work with you. I want to come and work with you. And, and, And the Bible talks about equipping the saints for works of service. Gird your loins. Let them always be girded. Let your waist be girded. That is not so you can sit. You don't gird your waist unless you're going to do something. Unless you're going to work. So this command to the church to let your light shine. If you want your light to shine, it's going to take some preparation. Do you know in your Bible, you may have a, the books of your Bible labeled differently. But when you get to the book of Acts, does your Bible just say Acts at the beginning of that book? The word Acts is in big type in mind. And the little letters around it say the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah, and sometimes we hear that word acts and we only think of it as a book of the Bible. The acts of the apostles, the things they did, not the things they believed, not the things they were taught, but these are the acts of the apostles. They were disciples and followers of Christ and they did things. Jesus prepared them for action. He prepared them to be able to teach and preach. What does the Bible say in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1? When Paul got ready to leave this earth, he told Timothy, he said, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What was the commandment? I've taught you, and now what do you do? Well, Timothy, just let Jesus happen to you. No. You take what I've given you, and you give it to other people. And so they'll give it to other people. Entrust this to faithful men so that they'll teach others. So that this can be passed down from generation to generation. He prepared them for action to be able to teach and preach. But also for hard times. Did Jesus prepare them for persecution? He told them that difficult times were coming. He says in Matthew chapter 10. If you look in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. Look how he got them ready for this upcoming life. Behold I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Do you appreciate people like that in your life who prepare you for what's coming? You know, I've, I've had both kinds of teachers. I've had teachers who've said, hey, just... Just read the book and be ready and you'll be fine on the test. And I've had teachers who've said, this is what I'm going to test you on. I want you to be prepared. My harder teachers actually gave more direction. This is what I want you to know. And this is what you're going to be tested on. And Jesus told them, this is what you're going to go through as a Christian. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. You're going to be brought before leaders. You're going to need to be ready. He prepared them for action. He prepared them for hard times. You know, he doesn't say you might be hated. He says you will be hated. He doesn't say they might deliver you. He says they will deliver you up. Do you know what a bug out bag is? A bob? It's a go bag. It's it's the stuff you put in there just in case you need to get out quickly. I have a lot of friends who've got bug out bags and they've got things ready to go. on the potential contingency that they might need to get out of town quickly. That they might have to. When we get ready, when we prepare for action, if we know something is coming up, the Bible tells us, we're gonna look several times tonight in Hebrews chapter 12, where God talks about being ready. He says, therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Have you ever been running and then found out your shoelaces were untied? Or found out you didn't have water, you weren't prepared. It's, it's too late at that point. You make your preparations ahead of time. And Jesus uh, tells the disciples what they're going to face. But the writer of Hebrews also tells us how to prepare for the race. He says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. If you're getting ready for something, do you prefer to get ready by yourself? Or with other people? I liked preparing with other people. I like the camaraderie that comes from the church of getting ready with other people, of trying to get to heaven together. Uh, when I was at uh, the officer training school, one of our captains, we'd come in that morning, a new class was coming in, we all had a similar mission, and he would turn on, he's a huge Star Wars fan, and he would turn on his Darth Vader music. Dun, 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 dun. And everybody would get really hyped up and we would get ready and everybody would come in and you would see people getting energized and getting ready to go. And that sense of shared mission, we are all about to do something together. And the writer of Hebrews says, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you aren't the first person who's ever needed to get ready for action. You're not going to be the first person to face persecution or problems or difficulties in your family or the church or your marriage or your household. You're not the first one. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, by other people who have had to get prepared as well. We're not only surrounded by witnesses, but part of that preparation, the writer of Hebrews says, lay aside every weight. I was talking to Tracy about volleyball players not recently, and there was an old Olympic medalist. He wasn't old at the time, but Karch Karai, one of our best volleyball players. And I saw an interview with him, and he said during the off-season, he would go out to the beach, and he would put on a big heavy lead weight belt. And he'd put on, uh, uh, he'd go barefoot and he'd go out on the beach to play volleyball and the extra weight around his waist and, and playing in the sand. He said when you got back into the season and you got back on that hardwood floor and put on shoes and took off that weight belt, he said it felt like you could fly. Now, when it came time to play, he would have been a fool to leave the weight belt on, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he have been foolish to go out there and play and try to take on the best in the world with a weight around his waist? And the writer of Hebrews says to lay aside every weight. All of those things that hold us back from shining. All of those things that keep us from being disciples. And that can be a lot of things. There's a book called When Family Becomes Idle. Even family can hold us back. Hobbies and interest and, and education, school there are weights that hold us back, that keep us from being disciples. The author of Hebrews says, lay aside every weight, not just the weights, not just the things that hold us down, but also the sin which clings so closely. How can you run the race? How can you be prepared to shine when you have sin that's clinging to you? There was a thing called this adventure race, 300 miles, and they interviewed the winners, and they asked them about some of their strategy for winning, and it's, it really stuck with me. They made a pile. that They reduced their weight as much as possible. You know all the ultralight camping gear. They got as light as possible. And then they sat down and said, how can we get even lighter? How, how can we get rid of more things? And they cut the labels off of their bags, and they broke the handles off of their toothbrushes, and they, 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 caught, and they made a little pile, and they came up with another couple of pounds of stuff that they didn't need. Things which were part of their gear. And part of their clothing. And, and part of their hygiene things. But they, they put it all aside. Because they wanted to be able to move quickly. If you think tonight. That you're going to shine as a light in the world. While you're also holding on to the sin in your life. You're wrong. i about speaking clearly. You can't shine. While you're holding on to the mud. You know the, the prodigal son that went out and he's, he's feeding the pigs and he's, he's eating out there, he had to get up and leave that in order to come home. He had to turn away from that. We have to lay aside the sin which clings so closely because Jesus prepares us for action. You know, in Matthew 25, when the Bible talks about that judgment, and it's talking about standing before the throne. And it says in verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What had they done? For I was hungry, and you watched someone feed me. I was thirsty, and you paid someone to bring me water. I was a stranger, and you allowed someone else to welcome me in. says no one's Bible in this auditorium, right? I was hungry... To one of the least of these, my brother, my brothers, you did it to me. Do you see how personal those words are? You did it. It's dangerous when people start thinking that judgment is going to be by congregation or that judgment is going to be by group. When the Bible talks about each one standing for himself, God prepares you for action. Gird your loins, not someone else's loins. Gird yours. If you're a Christian tonight and you are not active in serving God. I hope you won't leave here tonight thinking that someone else girding their loins is the same as you girding yours. Gird your loins for action. Not only requires preparation, it also requires vigilance. Back in Luke chapter 12 in our text, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning to stay vigilant, to be sober-minded. Do you know there's a, a, an end of training exercise for the last three days of training... ...and it's called Vigilant Warrior. And that's when we let everybody catch up on sleep. Right. Isn't that vigilance? Time to rest, time to relax. Vigilance is to stay vigilant, to stay alert. Luke chapter 12 and verse 36 says... ...and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he's coming, when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. Be ready like men waiting for their master to come home. Be vigilant. You ever seen this picture? He's getting his camera ready, hoping to see a bighorn sheep. Be vigilant. Be watchful. My friend went turkey hunting, and he said he got he got his bow and he got down in there. He had all the gear. He had everything ready. He had all of his hunting clothes and his boots and everything else. And he's sitting under a tree and he's doing his turkey call. And he said, "Kevin, nothing, nothing." And he said, I, "I must have dozed for a few minutes. I, minutes. I woke up as the sun was coming up, and he said, still nothing. So I gathered up all my stuff and I got ready to go. And he looked up in the tree. It's full of turkeys." That had come while he slept. And were roosting above him. And he said laughing at him. He wasn't vigilant. He wasn't prepared. He wasn't ready. And that time came. And he got caught asleep. You know it says be like men who when the, when the master comes home. They open the door at once. Caleb, you don't know if you even remember, used to do this to me. He would watch me come up the front. And when I would reach for the door, he would jerk the door open. Just as I reached for the handle. Just or if, if someone, if you've ever had someone open the door just as you knock, they're ready and they're waiting and they try to anticipate it. They're alert. They're watching for you to come home. Some of my students, I, I would always try to catch them unprepared to teach them to be vigilant. And I never could catch one class and one of the guys said, I recognize your footsteps. I always knew when you were coming down the hall and we got ready. It was good, Right? It's resourceful. Be vigilant. Be ready. We know that Jesus says he's coming back. So don't just gird your loins and then sit. Gird your loins and then be vigilant as you serve. Not only be able to open the door at once, but to be awake when he returns. You know, I wanted to mention for a moment as well that it's one thing if there's a bighorn sheep behind you, but what if it's a lion instead? Would you be more or less vigilant? If you were in a country where there were lions. You know, the Bible says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to, what? Not frighten. Not startle. Someone to devour. Someone to kill spiritually. Someone to devour. But you know, this is not talking about being prepared and being vigilant. Not only about Satan, but but also about the Lion of Judah. You know, the Bible talks about him as the Lamb of God, but when we read in Revelation about his return, it's a very different picture. The sword coming out of his mouth and the name written on his thigh and with all the angels of heaven, and it's, it's a very different picture. It's something you don't want to be unprepared for. To be awake when he returns. I did a funeral a couple of weeks ago, and the, uh, the wife wanted to watch It's only happened twice in all the years I've been preaching. The wife wanted to watch the bulldozer put the dirt over the coffin. Have you ever seen someone stay for that? She wanted to stay. She wanted to see it all the way to the end. So we go through this ceremony and everybody had the, the Navy was there to present the flag. And everything had to be timed just perfectly. And we got to the end and nothing. And we're all just standing there. And the lady next to me, the funeral director, goes, oh. She leaned over and she said, will you please go wake him up? And she pointed over there and the bulldozer operator was asleep. And she said, he takes naps all the time. And I thought, get his cell phone number. And wake him or give him a little buzzer or something. But, but he was asleep and I, and I walked and I was calling to him and I'm waving my arms. And I'm trying to get his attention and I feel bad all the guests are watching. As I'm walking over there waving my arms going, hey, hey. There. And so finally I walked up and I tapped him. And he, he woke up and I said, they're ready for you. The, the Bible says this is not how we're to be as Christians. We're not only to be ready for action and have our, our loins girded but also to be vigilant, to be ready, to be active, to be doing those things, to be ready for him to come back at any time. And as I was praying for, for y'all this evening, I, I thought about who in here is spiritually groggy, who in here is not as awake as they should be, who is, who is falling asleep. You know how hard it is to fight? It's easy for me when I'm up here speaking, but for those of you who are sitting there, when you start getting sleepy, once you start fighting that, it's, it's almost impossible to fight, isn't it? You get sleepier and sleepier. You get groggy. If you're spiritually groggy, you know, we used to have a teacher who said we would get in trouble if we fell asleep sitting like you are. So we were allowed to stand up and walk to the back of the room and we knew it was better to get up and move than to get in trouble for falling asleep. If you are spiritually groggy, you need to get up and move. You need to get up and do something Don't just sit there and try to fight the sleep and say, well, hopefully I'll be aware and awake when the Lord returns. You need to get up and move. You need to do something different. You need to change something in your life in order to be active and be vigilant because He is coming. And He tells us to be vigilant. Paul wrote to the church in 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, He talks to them about being ready. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, he says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have uh, anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, well, there's peace and safety, it's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Brothers, you are not like the world. That day shouldn't surprise you. We should be living as Christians. We should have our loins girded. We should be living in such a way that it does not matter if the Lord comes tonight or tomorrow or next year or next month or 100 years from now. It should not matter to us. Because we're leading prepared and vigilant lives. Did you see how it's likened to labor pains? Did you know? That A lot of doctors don't give due dates anymore. They don't give a due date. What do they give now? A due week. They give you a due week. Do you know why that is? Because a baby very seldom comes on the day that they tell you. How many of you ladies gave birth to babies that were late, that did not come when they were supposed to, or came early? Some of you were surprised and went into labor early. It was always difficult with Heather. She always had these these early contractions, and we'd rush to the hospital and they'd send us home. And we'd rush to the hospital and they'd send us home. So on the last baby, I asked her, Are you sure? (laughs) Do you know? You shouldn't ask a woman in labor if she's sure. (laughs) And Heather had determined that she was not going to be taken by surprise this time, so she was very sure. And do you know? She had her bags packed. And we had already paid the hospital. And she filled out the birthing plan. Why? Why? Because you don't know when the baby's coming, but what do you know? It's coming. You know the baby's coming, but you don't know when, so what do you do? You get ready, you get prepared. You don't wait till the last minute, you're ready all the time. So if the baby comes today or tomorrow or a week from now, you're ready to go. That's for a baby. What about for your eternity? Shouldn't that be just as important for you to prepare? The Bible says we must be vigilant. Did you notice in our verses in Hebrews chapter 12 that it says in verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to Jesus. Looking to him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Being vigilant, keeping our eyes on him. Third thing tonight that... That kind of light shining requires endurance. The Bible doesn't say to be a shooting star. You know, I like shooting stars. We've laid out in the backyard for hours watching during the meteor showers. And and you watch and you watch and you watch. But you have to, if you don't see them, you miss it. The kids would play and we'd say, there's one. Where? And they would miss it because it would come and, and go so quickly. Do you know that that light bulb has a name? It's the only light bulb that I know of that's got a name. That light bulb is called the centennial bulb. Have you ever heard of it? They turned it on in 1901 at, at the fire station. 1901. It's been burning for over 100 years. It is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest burning light bulb. I want to read to you again from our Luke 12 verse that says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. You know that, that word there, keep, is is a translator putting that in there to try to get the idea across about, about continuous. Stay dressed. Keep your lamps burning. This isn't turn your lamp on and then turn your lamp off. This is staying dressed. You know the hardest part of an endurance race, of a long race, is not starting. It's not difficult to start. It's difficult to finish. And the Bible says that we run an endurance race. It's not a sprint. It's not over in a year. It's not over in 10 years or 20 years. For a lot of us, it's a 50 or 60 year race. And it's an endurance race. And you have to keep going. Jesus told his disciples to stay ready. In Luke chapter 12, I want you to listen to verse 35. When it says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, in verse 38 it says if he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake blessed are those servants well maybe he'll come during this watch maybe the second maybe the third did any of you ever work shift work you know what second shift and third shift are that's and if you've ever had to pull double shifts or some people have pulled a triple shift. you understand? That's a long time to be at work. Pulling a double shift. Sometimes Emily at the hospital will pull a double shift. And she's exhausted. And he says, be alert. So if he comes at the second or the third watch. Do you know I had one, one job? That meme, you had one job. During Vigilant Warrior, one of my jobs was to be in charge of this section of, of the perimeter. And all the instructors were outside. And all the students were inside. And our job was to keep them out. And us in. And they played the theme song from Aladdin all night long, over and over and over. Do you know what happens to your mind besides hating Aladdin? Do you know what happens? I still, you know what happens to your mind after six or seven hours of hearing the same song over and over? It lulls you. In, into a sense of complacency and, and you stop being alert and, and getting up and shaking. You know, you're tired and you're hungry and you're wet and staying alert. The longer you're, you're in this, the harder it gets. It doesn't get easier. And Jesus doesn't deny that. In Luke, he doesn't say, well, you know, if he comes in the first watch, at least you're ready. He says if he comes in the second or even the third, blessed are those servants who he finds ready. I know some of you get tired of fighting the good fight. Don't you get tired Uh, of having some of the same arguments, of fighting the same sins in your own life, of fighting sins in other people's life, of trying to convince people to get ready for judgment, of trying to teach people. But you know what God calls us to? Endurance. To let your light shine and keep shining, no matter how hard it gets. You know, there's a big difference between getting ready and staying ready. Did Demas get ready? He, became, he was a, a, a co-worker of Paul's. Did he stay ready? For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Right. And in running, he would, he would get a DNF. Did not finish. That's a dumb little race on this earth. When he stands before judgment, do you think Demas will be glad he didn't endure? It's about endurance. Getting ready and staying ready. Have you ever thought about this? The foolish virgins. Were they ready at some point in time? Oh yeah, they had oil in their lamps. They were ready for the wedding. And then what happened? They didn't stay ready. They had not made preparation. They had run out of that oil. And they didn't have more. They were ready until they weren't. We have to have endurance. The end of that verse in Hebrews chapter 12 is... After we lay aside the weight and the sin which clings so closely... Let us run with endurance... Now here's one of the hardest parts of that verse, the race that's set before us. I, uh, I hate to say it, but I, I run a race in Kingwood that's flat as flat could be. Because I don't like those hilly races. They're hard. It's hard. You go someplace like Colorado, or Ohio even, or, or places like that, they make you run uphill. It's hard. I want to run flat. And some of you tonight want a good, nice, flat, easy Christian race. Well, I'll endure as long as the way is easy. But the Bible says the race that is set before you. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. How much uphill did he have? How much difficulty? We don't get to choose the course, but we get to choose whether or not we quit. You know, dad used to have a poster. I don't know if you remember this, Kelsey. Dad used to have a poster with a cat hanging on to a a bar. That's poor. And and it's funny when you see something like that as a little kid, I kept looking as if he were going to fall. And that cat, and and the poster said something about hanging on, just hang on. And you've heard the the saying, when you reach the end of your rope, do what? Tie a knot and hang on. You may not be powerfully climbing and you may not be at the top of your game but endurance is about not giving up some of my favorite people in races are the people at the back I'm telling you that's where the character is I will never forget some of those guys dragging their legs covered in white salt as they're pouring sweat as they're dehydrated there's character in the back and in the church there's faithfulness in those who endure not because you're running and winning the race. Not because you're out front. Not because you're out, out, outpacing everyone else. But because you don't quit. And I want to tell you tonight, don't give up. Do you know what's been sad about this pandemic? We've lost a lot of people who've just given up. They've just quit. They will never be glad they did that on the day of judgment. That centennial bulb as we close tonight. That centennial bulb started out burning somewhere between 30 and 60 watts. Do you know where it is now? Four. Which is about the brightness of a nightlight. On May 20th, 2013, people, people, people watched this light bulb on a camera. Isn't that crazy? It's got its own camera. And on May 20th of 2013, it burned out, except that it didn't. It didn't. They hooked it up to an extension cord and it came back on. So they investigated and they found out that it had a faulty power supply. It had a faulty power supply. I want to tell you tonight, we have an uninterrupted power supply. We have a God in heaven who has said, when, when he got to the end of that great commission, he says, look, go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded, and lo, I will be with you always. You will never be without Someone to help you endure. Someone to help you run. So I want to encourage you tonight. Let your waist be girded. Prepare yourself to work. Stay vigilant so that it doesn't matter when the Lord returns. And when you get to the end of your rope spiritually, tie a knot and hang on. Because it will be worth it when you stand before the Lord and He says, Well done good and faithful servant. Will you pray with me as we close tonight? Father, thank you so much for giving us a strength beyond our own strength, for promising to to walk this race with us, to run beside us, to give us the Holy Spirit that that, uh, is is with us. Father, help us to, to cling closely to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to the church who help us along the way. Father, we all have different races to run. and Some are more difficult than others. Father, help us to strengthen the knees that are weak, Help us to encourage and build up those who need encouragement. Father, if we fall down, help us to get back up and keep going so that we can stand before you as faithful servants on the day of judgment. Father, even if our light doesn't shine as brightly as it used to or as brightly as we want it to, Father, help us to be lights in the world. Help us to lead people out of that darkness and into your marvelous lights. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.